I'm Tefera Jemian. And I'm Eunice Hong. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! yeah. We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. So this week... We decided we'd do another kind of throwback episode, and we're talking about Sarah Dessen's The Truth About Forever, which is fun for me and Eunice because it came out when we were in high school, and we read it a lot. It came out in 2004. Uh, We both read it a lot in high school. I have read it a lot kind of continuously. Eunice, have you continued to reread it sometimes? I actually haven't. I think there was a while where I did reread Sarah Dessen, and then there were too many things to read, so then I stopped rereading things altogether. I think the most recent Sarah Dessen that I've reread was Dreamland. Is it Dreamland? Dreamland. That, I read that one. I'm trying to remember if I actually read it for the show, but that one I, like, I, like, had not read at all until very recently. dark Sarah Dessen yeah that can even be a thing (laughs) it is dark and I going into it had no idea what it was about and yeah uh, yeah 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 yeah. we did just listen on the show Mm -hmm. way back Bailey and I did but we haven't done any like current recent Sarah Dessen at all I have to confess that I haven't even read her most recent one I don't think I've read past along for the ride Mm-hmm. Honestly. Yeah. No, was there yeah. one after? There might have been one after that that I read. I might have read the one right after that. Mm-hmm. Was that what happened to go by? I don't know. I'm really bad with the timeline. It's just like. She has there so was, many books. Yeah. Just like one every summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For a while. Yeah, yeah. there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but Truth About Forever, um, I don't think I've reread as an adult. So. This was fun for me because I saw like a lot of like what I really loved about YA as a teen again with like fresh adult eyes and that was kind of cool. It this week was like a journey. I am kind of glad that we switched. We had been de- debating between this lullaby and the truth bef- about forever and I mm-hmm. am kind of glad that we don't have to talk about a relationship that you know starts off with uh, non-consensual contact mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's kind of a relief because this one doesn't this one has like a, a, a nice slow burn yeah mm-hmm. and uh, he's dreamy the guy is dreamy for sure yeah like, he's an artist I have to do this one time for Caddy his name is Wes <laughs> that's my best Nicole Byer it's not very good Wes <laughs> Yes. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is why we read this book. Yes. Caddy just wanted me to to do it a lot. I'm not very good at imitating Nicole Byer. I I don't I don't I I am not worthy to touch her sandals. Um, 
<laughs> but I loved this one. And like it, like this is one that I have read and reread. Um, there's a lot to love about it. I really like the complexity of the relationships. So I haven't actually given a synopsis of the book yet because I got... Mm. I have read it so many times that I forgot that not everybody has read it so many times. The Truth About Forever is about a teenager named Macy, and she starts off her summer with a whole lot of plans uh, and really everything kind of kind of scheduled out for her, and she likes it that way. And then everything kind of starts going sideways. Um, she is a, a high-key anxious perfectionist, as a lot of Destin's characters were in this era. This is kind of the era of the high-key perfectionist, Sarah Dessen protagonist. And her father died uh, like a year ago, right? Like a year before the book started starts, I think. Oh. Or not even. It was like Christmas yeah. and this is summer. Yeah. Yeah. And she's dealing with grief and she's dealing with survivor guilt. And she's sort of re- reacting to all of that by becoming more and more perfect and trying to just get everything right. And this is really a book about the summer when she starts embracing messiness a little bit more when she meets a catering company called Wish, which I could also do in Nicole Byer. I could, Wish! I don't know. Wish! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this is a bad bit. This is a dumb bit. Um, it stops now. It stops now. <laughs> so, Caddy, you can stop listening now. Um, and she joins the catering company and she meets this boy, Wes, um, who's super dreamy and has this nice family and also meets Christy, who I really need to spend some mm. time talking about today because Christy is yeah. fun. Um, and she just kind of learns to let go a little bit. Mm-hmm. There are a number of characters I want to talk about in this book. One is yeah. Jason. I think we should spend some time oh, on Jason. Oh my gosh, Jason. <laughs> and his emails. Yeah. His emails. Let's just talk about that oh my god oh. <laughs> um i did find on this read through i want to see what you think about this about this theory i have on this okay. read through i definitely read jason as a high power ambitious gay who is auditioning <gasps> macy to be his beard stop <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so much better than what I had in mind because what I had in mind reading this was like some like future or like not tech bro, but like engineer type who's kind of like a little bit like a robot because he likes robots and he also wants to be a robot. Yeah. I don't know. That's like, I I couldn't get away from that. I mean, I think the thing with Jason is that he's all about control, right? So he's trying to control Macy. You also get the sense that he kind of doesn't really know why he's dating her or what dating means. Well, he's like one of those people who like sees a problem and needs to fix it. Like that's what makes him tick. Like, He's, he's like, oh, like, sh- they met in freshman English or whatever, and, like, she didn't understand Shakespeare, and he's like, oh, let me help you. And then, like, you know, she was like, okay. That's a really good perspective, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. He wants to fix people, and yeah. she... I mean, I I think we do also have to talk about abuse patterns mm. when we talk about mm-hmm. Jason, though, because... The other thing is that he 
sees her as somebody who is vulnerable to his efforts Mm -hmm. to fix and improve people Mm -hmm. and like gets his hooks into that and she talks about that she says like the girl who they were in a group with said she was no good at the Shakespeare crap and put her head down and fell asleep and Jason just looked at her and Macy didn't want him to look at her the same way yeah Mm-hmm. But we really see this difference where with the first girl who was just like, I don't even care about this, he doesn't have an in. But mm-hmm. Macy, who doesn't get it and wants to, he sees his in to take somebody and just kind of turn her into his girlfriend that works for his image. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just like that was the right moment. And then, like, you can see that like as Macy's kind of discovering that about her like discovering more about herself and kind of processing her grief and um like rethinking her relationship with Jason is like yeah she can't if she's gonna move on from like her or not yeah like be able to process her father's death like for her well she can't be in that relationship anymore the development of her feelings about the breakup so Jason is her boyfriend who she's been with for like uh, a year I guess and he goes off to brain camp at the beginning of the book and then a few chapters later breaks up with her for uh showing emotion in an email and saying Mm -hmm. she loves him Um, and he is somebody who like they we get the impression they barely kiss. They have very little physical relationship. He doesn't He's, like physical contact. Yeah, he doesn't like physical yeah. contact. He doesn't like PDA. Mm-hmm. And she's just kind of like, well, okay. And like, she's she's so out of touch with her own wants in the relationship that she hasn't really thought about if that works for her. So she sends him an email and says that she misses him and also complains about her job at the library that where she's taking over for him <laughs> and his coworkers treat her like crap. Mm-hmm. And he responds and breaks up with her because he needs to focus on senior year and she is exhibiting too much emotion. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, it was the right move to break up with her, if that is how he feels. Yeah, no, I think the, <laughs> I think the breakup is fine, right? Like, okay, I, I think that was great because that's kind of, it is actually kind of what propels her to make the decision she does to like create the story right like that's what pushes her to like find wish and like the catering company and um kind of have this kind of unexpected summer so like i'm okay with that that email <laughs> um, but like yeah i don't know i just like ugh, i just hated him as a character He's, the worst. he's he's a garbage person. That's what we like to say on the show. We like to say people are garbage people. I about the breakup and the relationship. You know, there are just some relationships that you encounter these relationships and you're like, no matter who breaks up with who when, yeah. the breakup will always be a good thing. Yeah. And that's what this relationship is. Mm-hmm. Um because it's not even like we this is one of the things that comes up over and over again reading YA is how often high school relationships just kind of happen randomly mm-hmm. and you just kind of end up dating somebody and then you're like well I'm dating them and nobody ever taught me how to break up so 
we're just gonna date for like two years and then break up and then everybody will be like but you've been together for so long and it'll be weird doesn't mean it's working (laughs) um and i mean it really is a book about macy figuring out what she wants right because she she hasn't given herself any space to think Mm -hmm. about what she wants because she also has a mother who is very who is also grieving and also leaning into perfectionism in her grief Mm -hmm. and she her she says like her sister and her dad provided the balance to their family and with her dad Mm -hmm. dead and her sister married and moved out they Mm -hmm. don't have that balance yeah oh man I don't really remember like on the first read I think like maybe as a teenager I feel like I don't know how I reacted with her relationship with her mother but like I think like this time around when I read it I just like I was I wasn't like sympathetic but I was like oh man like this poor woman you know absolutely like and- I was like oh this is someone who really hasn't like processed grief like needs like help doing it mm-hmm. and like and her teenage daughter is not the one to be yeah I mean it's somebody who needs some good old-fashioned therapy right like she she needs to take the time and and process her grief but I mean especially because she and her husband ran the business together that is Mm -hmm. their livelihood she felt that she needed to just take that over and push it really hard and you know there's a lot of feelings in that it's hard and I love I mean this is hopping all the way to the end but I love when um Macy and her sister surprise her mom with a trip to the beach house mm-hmm. and just kind of provide that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I what what I really liked about this reread was I got to see kind of how Sarah Dessen um compares like the very rigidness of like Macy and her mom and their life and then that that business with kind of like the messiness and like unpredictability of this catering business and just how like when Macy's working there like everything just goes wrong and if something goes right that's like a sign of like ooh hmm something's gonna happen (laughs) Um, and I just love that like she gets to enter into that world and it's just like full of love and joy but like also really messy Yeah, and there's something really empowering for Macy about going from being the inadequately perfect person in a collective of perfect people. I mean, perfect in heavy scare quotes there. We're talking about, like, perfection as organization, basically. Um, To being the organized person in a group of people who really need that. And instead of being kind of superfluous in a group of people she gets to take her skills and apply them to a group that can really use them. And I think that's one of the things that helps her, that that helps her journey, that it's not just saying, now you need to be messy and loosen up completely. Mm-hmm. It's saying, actually, in this particular format, which is out of your usual comfort zone, you can do the most mm-hmm. with your with your natural tendencies. And that's, that's a really empowering message, I think. And like, yeah certainly a message her mom isn't giving her Mm -hmm. um and it's like different people who are also dealing with grief in a very different way and it kind of shows Mm -hmm. the diversity of ways that people respond to loss Mm -hmm. and that 
you know, they're all okay, but maybe some of them are going to be more productive. And I think this is why um, this story appealed to me so much um, as a teen, because you do want to, like, find a story that really shows that it's okay to fail or Mm -hmm. okay, it's okay to be messy, it's okay. Because I feel like, I don't know, like, I don't know what it was like for you, but, like, for me, I, like, growing up, there was so much like expectation wise, like expectation to like do all the things well. And like, there was not much like in my own personal life that was saying like, it's like fine to make mistakes. Like it's okay if you don't get it right the first time around. And like, I, it's in these books where I found like comfort in characters that were kind of like me who like, were really rigid about certain things and like they got into all of this like mess and it worked out for them in the end um and like i saw that reading it this time around and even in the game that um that macy and wes play the truth game Mm -hmm. um so basically in the story um they do a form of truth or dare except it's truth or truth (laughs) And then they create all these rules and give it structure. um, And then, like, you can win the game. Um, But, yeah, so, like, this is how they, their relationship unfolds. um, The characters get to know about each other through this very structured game. And they were sharing all of these, like, really vulnerable things. Like, and Macy was saying that, too, where she was like, I would never say this to anybody that I just met. But, like, she felt safe in that, like, kind of structured game that they put out for themselves to share. And, like, things like that where it's just, like, I get why all of these points in the story appealed to me. (laughs) Just, like, spoke to my, like, teenage me, you know? That is so nice. I never thought about the truth game giving Macy the structure she needs to feel comfortable sharing. But you're absolutely right. And that's such a wonderful point that that's that's like she doesn't need to just like pull down all of her boundaries, that there's like a way for her to become more vulnerable and become more intimate in a way that that works within her comfort zone. That's so great. I certainly experienced perfectionism (laughs) you asked this a little (laughs) bit ago I I definitely had a lot of pressure for things to be perfect the first time and not a lot of messaging of like it's okay next time you'll do better or like you could try again or anything like that Um, which you know led to some serious mental health problems as a teenager but I think I was a perfectionist in a different way than than Macy is or than a lot of Sarah Dessen's characters are in that for me the kind of perfectionism was a response to a perfectionism that was being put on me but it's not my natural state Mm -hmm. like I have very I, I have levels of perfectionism I have very high standards for myself but I actually always um associated very strongly with Christy in this one and Christy also has a level of perfectionism, but it's a very different level of perfectionism. Christy's mm. reveals itself in how carefully she puts together her look and her appearance. Yeah. Um, Christy is a much more, I would say, rounded and 
uh, balanced person than Macy is. Like, I think Christy has worked on her stuff a little bit more than Macy has, mm-hmm. but she's mm-hmm. also had more time to do that. Like, Macy is is still very, very freshly in her grief. But I always loved Christy in this because she is sort of loud and effusive and colorful mm-hmm. and late for things and flaky. Um, <laughs> and And all of that is okay. And it was really nice for me to see a character who was obsessed with her appearance and late for things a lot and kind of always going overboard and like talking too much and flirting too much and all of that but like who who is clearly a really valued part of her social circle clearly very loving and clearly fills a role and I think what I struggled with the most was feeling like my personality was kind of too big to fit with the Mm -hmm. standards I had which led to all kinds of awkwardness and it's like it was really nice to see that and to see that like it's okay to be big and excited about things and you know put yourself out there yeah did you always like when you first read the, I don't know if you remember when you first read this book oh, probably <laughs> 2004 remember, <laughs> yeah do you remember like kind of reading her character and being and seeing yourself in her or was it kind of just like through subsequent reading oh I I did yeah I saw myself in her um especially in some of the outfits honestly like I had some of the like like pieces items of clothes um I mean to an extent you know we were, were we had different circumstances and there are other characters that I have identified with more um but reading it I I really aligned with Christy now reading it I aligned with Delia um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Delia. But yeah. I think it's fun, actually, as you were just talking about uh, about you aligning with Macy, and I was thinking <laughs> about me aligning with Christy. I'm kind of like, okay, <laughs> makes <sense. laughs> this makes sense. Yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like their friendship is just so wonderful because, like. The scenes where Chrissy's always like inviting her out to things and just like <laughs> trying and trying and trying and be like, how about this time? How about this time? How about this time? Like she just never gets tired of like just inviting her out to things. And then Macy like, it's like, no, 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 oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I really relate to that whole like dynamic of like, yeah, like I like people who kind of like push me out of my shell a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, yeah, like, I love that dynamic in friendship. You know what I love in this book? I love when Christy finally gets her to come over. When she's like, you have your own romance novel. Why are you avoiding this? And like, there's finally a hot guy who wants to kiss you (laughs) and isn't going to break up with you in an email that sounds like it is from your boss. Um, Wes is dreamy. Oh my gosh, yeah. Wes is like... So, okay, my one quibble with Wes. Okay. Wes does not seem like a teenager to me. No. Wes seems seems like somebody who is old enough that I could date him. And I am 29. So... (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a... a, um, Maybe like a college student. Yeah, I would believe him as a college student who's been providing for his family. Don't totally believe him as somebody who's young enough to date a 16-year-old. Yeah. 
I agree with that. But that's not in the dynamic of their relationship. That's just in he's too dreamy and not flawed enough. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a sculptor. So Wes, yeah. Wes is my top Sarah Dessen dreamboat. He's my first. He's my number one if I had to choose any of Sarah Dessen's dream boats. Mm-hmm. Ooh, mm-hmm. Or Owen from Just Listen. I like mm-hmm. them both. So um, it's hard for me to talk about him in a way that is, you know, clear. He's yeah. real dreamy. He's a sculptor. He has a cool tattoo. Mm-hmm. So he's got to be 18, right? He's got to be 18. Yeah. 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 And he's just like dark haired and dark eyed and kind of broody and like wears jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he wears jeans. <laughs> the unique thing about him is that he <laughs> wears jeans. Hey, I mean, it speaks right to our uniform khaki pants wearing days. Like, those jeans did it for me. When she describes <laughs> Jason wearing a polo shirt tucked into khaki oh. pants, I had a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like like definitely a boy out of uniform was was really uh, appealing when I was in high school. <laughs> you wore jeans like oh man. Well, and if you changed out of your uniform at the end of the day to go home, that meant you were really cool. Like for the guys all the girls did it cuz you got hit on by gross guys if you didn't, but but uh yeah, so he she like describes him the first time she sees him though as like being kind of yeah. a like Marlboro man, you know, kind of just like <laughs> Dark and broody and sexy. Incidentally, do you have a top Sarah Dessen boy? Again, it's been so long <laughs> since I've reread any Sarah Dessen. So, like, I can't even remember. Like, they're all, like, blended together in my mind as, like, perfect boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. I do feel like Wes, like, just going on physical appearances alone has an alignment with your middle, middle school boyfriend. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, minus the yeah. hair gel, but that was just a problem everybody had those days. That was just an early 2000s thing. God, I'm so glad we're past that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing better than running your fingers through your boyfriend's hair and having them come away just sticky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't even touch that. No. no. You weren't allowed to. It was, well, you'd cut yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, Wes. I love that he I mean I love a <laughs> I love a a hero that kind of comes in and like takes you on a journey. <laughs> you know? Like that's gotta be a trope. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And just like the self realization kind of thing where mm-hmm. you're like talking to someone and you're like, Oh, like you see life differently than I do. And like that's exactly what happens. I'm in this story. I'm such a sucker for like long nighttime walk conversations. Yeah, I love that, and that's what um, like like eighty percent of their relationship is. Right, that's yeah. like the, the that's the slow burn, right? Like yeah. you, they're just like relationship is developing through conversation, and mm-hmm. that's <laughs> and that's hot. Yeah, it is. Love a man who can like talk me. You know, the bar is on the floor. <laughs> Talk to me. I love a man who so, uh, converses. And also one who brings me to a Waffle House and like, and that's another thing I realized while reading this book. I was like, oh man, like 
this is such a thing in YA. Like waffle houses. Waffle houses. Like why? I mean, it must be like it's all YA set like in the South, but this happens in to all the boys. It does. It or happens to, to all the boys. It happens wow. in Let It Snow. Um, It happens in um, Simon versus the uh, Homo sapiens agenda. I don't know if you've read that one. I haven't read it yet, and I'm ashamed. Uh, Um, Yeah, it's just just teens go to Waffle Houses. I don't know if it's because we had very protective parents, or at least I had very protective parents, but we didn't go anywhere with our friends ever. Yeah, well, okay, I think it's a little different. We had the, like, hanging out in the Boston Commons kind of thing, though. Like, ours was very, like, like... kind of like a city more like a city type of like high school teenager I mean like also we really didn't do stuff I didn't do the Boston Commons hangout as much because I wasn't in that one youth group yeah. Uh, but I did hang out in Harvard Square, like with my orchestra friends and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We had Harvard Square. We had yeah. like, yeah, we had um, Starbucks runs. And yeah, Starbucks we went Square. to Starbucks a lot. That was kind we, of our we thing did a was lot Starbucks. Of um, and um, but yeah, so like, is that, that I think it's just like different. I think it's definitely just like teenagers in the South. Maybe they a small cars, town versus versus like, city too. Yeah, yeah. They have cars. Like they drive places and. I don't yeah. have my lessons yet. Me neither. Oh my god, you just made me feel so much better about myself. <laughs> oh man. You just don't need it. And then one day yeah. you just don't have it. Yes. Now I'm, I'm like, I have two children. I really should have a car. It would be much easier. My life would be much easier, but I don't know how to drive. Yeah. Oh, I'm working on that though. <laughs> I mentioned Delia briefly. Mm-hmm. The thing with this, it's really hard to like get to everything um, in yeah. this book because there's so much. Like for one thing, it is long. Like as Sarah Dessen books go, it's it's quite a long one. It's like three fifty pages, mm-hmm. um, and there's just so many characters. And I think that's part of what makes it so good is that there are a lot mm-hmm. of really well rounded, really well thought out characters. Yeah. And I, a lot of the books by Sarah Dessen that I like best are the ones that have a really thorough cast. Mm -hmm. And the ones that I like less are the ones that don't have as many characters interacting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like lock and key feels very sparse and it didn't really Mm -hmm. like, like pull me in. Mm -hmm. Yep. But I love Delia. Delia is Wes's aunt and she runs the catering company that Macy becomes part of. And she is very pregnant and has a toddler (laughs) and is just always overworked and constantly overwhelmed and constantly in a state of chaos but always managed to pull off making really good food so like the things she does she does very well she also just has the biggest heart and she kind of takes in all the strays and Mm -hmm. gives them something to do and you know feeds them and stuff and uh I really love her (laughs) I don't really have anything to say, like, apart from that. I just really love her. I really liked her. Like, I remember reading this book as a teenager and being like, I want to be like Delia when I grow up. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of nice to read it and be like, I feel like I am a little bit like Delia. I feel like I kind of, like, hit that mark a little bit. That feels nice. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, I just think that, like, it's great that she also has this company which she was doing with her sister and then her sister died yeah and like she and her sister was the one who was like kind of the 
like organization person of the um, company. So it's kind of like the direct like opposite of what happens with Macy's mom and dad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just love that like the family bit, you know, where like it's kind of like a found family and she kind of um, she's the heart of this book. I don't think this book would be the same without her. And she's like a great example of like a grown up in Macy's life um, or just a grown up in YA. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's like not too many of those sometimes that like you can be like oh yeah like this is a grown-up who cares and understands and even with Macy and her mother working on their relationship over the course of the book um something I always really like in YA is when there is another adult character who fills another need in the kid's life Mm -hmm. because I I think it's important for teenagers to have a number of adults in their life and to have Mm -hmm. like like a lot of people kind of looking out for them and checking in with them and an an aunt or a family friend or a teacher or a counselor like they can all fill different roles Mm -hmm. and it's so important because like like just speaking as a parent like I try very hard to give my kids the freedom I mean one of them is two so you know we'll see but like to give my (laughs) kids the freedom to express themselves and pursue their own interests Mm -hmm. at the same time I do have the things that I'm more interested in and the things Mm -hmm. that I'm less interested in and I know that I'm subconsciously giving my child more encouragement when they're interested in say poetry and flowers than when they're interested in ninja moves and like I I try not to do that but I know I'm doing that I try not to be like oh I really don't care about all of these science facts you are telling me (laughs) but like I just you know I I know that subliminally I am sending that message whether I want to or not because kids can tell when you are interested in something or not and it's very difficult to manufacture interest and by giving kids a number of adults in their lives and a number of role models who have different interests and different backgrounds you kind of round that out Mm -hmm. and and you let it be like okay well my mom isn't interested in this but my godparent will talk to me about this and get really nerdy with me about it and Mm -hmm. like I have an adult saying, yes, this is a good thing. So I like that Delia fills that role because Macy is kind of isolated. Like her her mom mm-hmm. and her dad were giving her balance and her dad is gone and she doesn't have that balance yeah. and she doesn't really have other adults. I almost forgot. What do we think about her sister running off and marrying a guy 10 years older than her? What do we think about this? <laughs> Yeah, that was, like, super casually, like, put in there. But I guess she's happy? She sounds happy. Yeah. Still gives I mean, me a whole little, because uh, she's young. She did it. it she, did she do it, like, right out of high school or right out of college? College. college. It sounds like, so in high school she was wild. And, um, <laughs> and then in college she was kind of just doing her college thing and then met Wally. Huh. Um, and fell hard for him and they're married. Yeah. And, like, like... Macy does put in a little like, uh, oh, people said she must have daddy issues, but, Mm -hmm. you know, she really loves him or whatever. But it's still, especially as somebody who is 10 years older than a college student now, roughly, it's just a little icky. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, it'd be one thing if she was in grad school and met him, but, like... Mm, yeah. I don't know. Like, I look at 19-year-olds and I, I still see children. I sound old. I know I sound very old. <laughs> I am very old. <laughs> I just feel like something happened around, like, 27, where I was just huh. suddenly like, oh, you are all youths. <laughs> um well i don't know i don't like i that part didn't really like stick out to me that much or bother me to be honest yeah that's fair that's fair (laughs) um yeah no my sister is actually married to someone who's maybe like 11 years older okay i forgot she got married that's right that's right okay well that gives you some perspective yeah and also another thing is like youths but but I also have a sister who's 10 years younger than me right and so like yeah she's like a baby but also she's a grown adult now and I have to deal with it so but I probably wouldn't (laughs) date her though no 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 (laughs) I'm just saying like it gives me like perspective into like their like growing up and becoming an their own person kind of thing for and sure oh like oh gen z yeah 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 and i'm the opposite where my siblings are all older than me so yeah. i have the opposite thing where i'm like no people in their 40s aren't that old chill out yeah <laughs> um, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's about time for us to wrap this up was there anything we didn't uh get to that you were eager to get to um, okay, can I just say, like, how weird was it that there were just teens running the library? I work in the library, and that just seems so weird to me. Like, what is the, what are these two girls, like, running the reference desk? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't work at a library, so that didn't really, like, hit me. But now that you mention it. Just, like, why are they in tra- Where are the adults? There should be one old cantankerous person, at least, who, like, has their system and doesn't want anybody to touch it, right? I mean, I guess they were kind of the ones who were like, we know all the answers. But they're 16. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they got this job. Like, I don't know why there are, like, multiple 16-year-olds working for this at this library. Um, I have questions. Maybe nepotism? (laughs) Yeah. The library director's like, this is my niece. She needs a job. Jason's mom owns the library. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's the library trustee. And like, we need only same. six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like that part was just like purely just comical, I think, for me. Like, I think like Sarah does it with like, oh, mean girls. I should put them in my. <laughs> mean girls, but with a twist. The They're library. mean librarians. <laughs> And they're all about databases. Like, yeah. Like, how hard would it have been to just make them adults? I feel I know, like I don't know. those characters wouldn't have lost anything by being adults. Yeah, I don't know. That's a funny choice. It's just really, I just found that so funny. I was like, can you imagine just, like, walking into a library and then there's, like, these two teenage girls who are, like... And the I way they treat Miss... M- 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 the way they treat Macy is actually a, a pretty good testament to why 16-year-olds should not be in charge of the library reference desk. Yeah. 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 Because it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's weird, right? It's a weird little dynamic. Like, it feels like they want to date Jason. But, like, I mean, who? yeah. Oh, they totally do. But, but like, like, why? Because, like, 
I don't know. I feel like we were fairly like nerdy and buttoned up and it wasn't really the Jasons. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they're like not like nerdy though. Maybe they're just like smart. Yeah. You know, like I don't know. I don't know. They gave me big gay vibes, honestly. I got the impression that they were just dating each other and like mm, resented I, the intrusion. Yeah, maybe. Because they go off and have lunch together. That's and, true. Like Macy's pointedly not invited. I don't know. Yeah. It might just be because I had just listened to Taylor Swift's new album and now I'm trying to read everything as more gay. But like. <laughs> what? Oh, have you listened to it yet? No, I have not. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it feels very not straight. It feels oh. like a very not straight album. Interesting. Yeah, I have my yeah. theories. <laughs> it's it's a very different vibe from her earlier stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it just doesn't feel straight. It just it just doesn't. <gasps> Maybe Taylor Swift is just trying to tell us something. I think so. <laughs> she is. Like she needs to put it out there. Mm-hmm. Well, there were all those rumors about her and Carly Kloss, like back when they were living together and having like slumber parties and stuff. Really? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't really follow Taylor Swift news, but Yeah. Um... So like rumors of Taylor Swift being not entirely straight have been going for like a few years. Um oh. like an like maybe five, honestly, at this point. Um you know, and then she wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And then she put out this album that feels very sapphic and everybody's kind of just like What? <gasps> That would explain so much. Right? It makes sense. Oh, I'm like rethinking her career now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like it makes it makes sense to keep it quiet given the fan base, given the start yeah. of the country music. Yeah. Um, like I'm willing to believe that she's that she's bi and like, mm-hmm. you know, has has earnestly dated guys. I'm fully willing to believe yeah. that. But Am there's I something sympathetic to Taylor Swift. I be <sighs> I really like Taylor Swift, and I've gone through my fallings out with her due to, you know, cultural appropriation and shit. You liked her in high school, though. I mean, I liked her in high school because she sounded pretty earnest. Like, she wasn't like, I feel like there was a point where this is now becoming Taylor Swift. This is fine. This is fine. Uh, (laughs) Great. Um, I feel like there was a point where she was like, earnest and like maybe that was actually her being like told to produce certain things that could be true but like I don't know then there was a point where like the whole Kanye thing happened and like that was really rough for her I guess but then she kind of like was like everyone's out to get me and Mm -hmm. then I was like oh my gosh you're so rich and famous (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, you're so rich is the way I feel a lot of the time about a lot of people. I mean, not the... No, I fully, I totally humans, get it. Like, oh my gosh. I totally get it. And like, yeah, I know, yeah. So I, I mean, I agree. Her early stuff was great. I really liked her early albums. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked uh, the one that had all the good songs on it. You know, blank page and uh, style, and like there was an album that just had a bunch of really good, but really good ones on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And then I didn't really like her revenge albums, and I kind of stopped. Like I didn't buy yeah. those. I wasn't really red. Was kind of rough. <laughs> um, <laughs> but and then she just kind of stopped doing stuff for a little while, which I think was a good call. I think she mm-hmm. like 
she kind of just went and found herself and Mm -hmm. then she put out a very gay folk album and it's real good (laughs) i'm gonna have to listen to it yeah i felt like it was like super mellow um when i heard like a couple of the songs so i like couldn't i wasn't in the right space for it yeah it's um, it's a big departure from her old stuff. It's told very me that, chill. Like, it was actually um, like felt more like a fall album. So maybe I need to wait till the fall. It definitely feels like a fall album. It's like cardigan vibes. So. Yeah, well, one song is yeah. actually called a card- cardigan. I'm cardigan. just sorry yeah. if you call a love song cardigan. I'm not gonna believe that's a straight love song. <laughs> I can't. Cardigans are gay. Cardigans are gay culture. You don't get to have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I'm also like, are we giving her too much credit? I don't know. I want to believe the best for her, but like, yeah. also cultural appropriation. She could do it again. I I do wonder. You got to think about like production labels, though. Production mm. labels isn't a thing. Production <laughs> producers and labels. Yeah. And I do kind of wonder if. Like, she doesn't have creative control over her music videos. Now, that doesn't mean that she can't say, no, I won't make this movie music video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah. No, it's a very fall album. I think I listen to more folk than you do. Um, oh, yeah. I do listen I to only, a... I only listen to bops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I listen to a fair bit of folk. So for me, like, yeah. I, I actually play it when I'm putting my kid to bed. Oh. Um, like I have a little collection of like mellow music on my phone. Uh, just like box cello suites, great band uh. music, and you know <laughs> Taylor Swift. But it's it's good music to cry to. I mean, yeah, like yeah. you you need those those songs. Like yeah. you need that time to just. Um, but lyrically, I think it's it's one of her strongest albums. Like it's very oh, good. good lyrically. Like, that is something I do really like about um taylor swift mm-hmm. is the lyrics like mm-hmm. that is why i like her music so you made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter is yeah. like a line for the ages <laughs> a great one. such a good line yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right wow what a trip down nostalgia lane today we've yeah. got taylor swift and sarah Dessen, and i'm gonna go listen to more taylor swift and eat some cookies <laughs> So this was The Truth About Forever by Sarah Dessen. It is a nice one to read. If you just want to if you just want to tune out and read a book, it's great and dream about who is. <clears throat> Sorry, I know it was over. I just had to get one more in. Yeah, I think like yeah, I really it, it's making me want to just reread all of my Sarah Dessen and not mm-hmm. read anything new for any of you. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I a couple of weeks ago when I interviewed Christina Forrest on the show mm-hmm. I was like I have a week where I don't have assigned reading <laughs> and I just read a book I just chose a book I wanted to read and I read it yeah without making notes but then of course I can't turn that off in my brain and I was like so if we were reviewing this on the show this is what I would say yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to yeah if you want to leave feedback suggest a book for us to read or just say hi maybe your theory is on what you think Taylor Swift is, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yappodcast. And individually, I'm at Tefferbear. Eunice is not on, in- <laughs> on Twitter, but is on Instagram at the Unicorn Reads a Book. That's Unicorn with an E, like Eunice. 
If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. We're also going to be running a Patreon special offer soon with some really cool merch that you don't want to miss. So keep an eye on our social media for that. Shout out to our wonderful patrons, Erica Stitchberry, Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Chantal Thomas, and Lizzie Tenhove. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at TeePublic. Um, by the way, Tom put the to get some from the fine folks over at TeePublic specifically to trip people up, and everybody always trips over it. And Tom it's is, so hard to say. I was a jerk. <laughs> I mean, it's our outro notes. We can change them. (laughs) (laughs) You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing to us on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who just is looking for something to read but isn't totally sure what, or maybe a friend who struggles to let go. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. Great Bear actually has recently put out a uh, Greatest Hits album that people can keep an eye out for. This episode was produced by Tefra Jemian, that's me, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. I'm Tom Zalatni, host and producer of Up for Discussion, the emotionally honest comedy podcast. What does that mean? It means we're not afraid to get vulnerable, explore the human side of comedy, and be super duper open about the ways that we're struggling to become better people along the way. Still have no idea what I'm talking about? Fair enough. Come give us a listen. The Up for Discussion podcast, available on the Upford Network and wherever else you get your podcasts. Hey there, campers. My name is Emmett, and I'm the host of Gaze in the Woods, a podcast that explores rural LGBTQIA2 experiences, from radical fairies and lesbian farmers to backwoods slam poets and community organizers organizing communities the community didn't know where they were all along. Can you have a pride parade when you're the only gay in the village? What is camp when you live in a trailer? And if a genderqueer bear shares their pronouns in the forest and nobody gets it, is anything real? I don't know, but let's find out together on Gaze in the Woods, an Upford Network podcast.